This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 440 of the Stable Scoop Show. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Horselovers.com, Fairfield in North and Lexington, Kentucky, and Uncle Jimmy's Brand Products. Coming up on today's show, we have Nick Snap of the Maggot Snappy Show with his productivity tip, and he's talking about habits versus goals. A good thing to talk about in January. And then we have a fascinating guest by the name of Hal Walter, and he's talking about donkeys and autism. That's right, donkeys and autism. There's a combination to find a little bit more about today. And then we have another product review. Claire Kirsch uh, reviews the Foxfire hair polish, all on today's show. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hell, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. I am Glenda Geek. And I'm Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, I see you dug out enough to get into the studio. Dude, 14 inches here. Well, you didn't miss this one. You're always saying you live along the coast up there in Rhode Island and you always get rain instead of snow. Not this time. Nope. We were the ones who got it the worst. And it really wasn't even that bad. There was some... There was some wind, but it was just a lot of snow, a lot of precipitation. So it was a pleasant storm, and it happened on a weekend, which was nice. And we had wood in the wood stove and a refrigerator full. We had just gotten our groceries delivered on Saturday morning. So by the time 6 o'clock on Saturday night came, when we had already accumulated eight inches, we were happy all tucked inside. Well, you know, it's always pretty when it first comes down, right? I mean, it's that's always when it's the best is when it's fresh. It's true. It, it's uh, it's pretty until you have to go and shove Shovel a it. path out to the barn. <laughs> Find your horses. Uh, yeah. Deal with their frozen blankets. Uh, I didn't put my, I didn't put blankets on my horses this time. I just locked them inside. Oh, did you? Yeah. Were they toasty yeah. and happy in the morning? They were. I left them. I actually locked them out believe it or not, until about three o'clock. So they did have blankets on for a little while. I'm, I stand corrected. I did put blankets on them for a little while just so they didn't get soaked to the bone because the temperatures were dropping overnight. They were going to go down to 11 degrees. So I'm like, crap, a blizzard plus wet horses plus 11 degrees isn't good. So I locked them out with their blankets on until three o'clock because I'm out of shavings. <laughs> I didn't, I wanted them to have nice, clean, soft, fluffy shavings because I didn't, I didn't know how long they'd have to be locked in, locked inside for, you know? Right. So by the time I went to go let them in, it was like quarter after three. Oh my God. The, they were giving me some serious monster they faces. They were ready to go out. Like, <laughs> we don't care. No, come, <laughs> they were ready to come in. Oh, ready to come in. That's right. Yeah. Sorry. They were ready to come in. So it was kind of funny. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was good. The next day I picked up that shovel and, uh, now, 
my back is paying for it. Yep, that always happens the first couple snows, right? You're, you're, you're always sore after. And, and then when they get bigger, you get sore. Yep. <laughs> you get more and hey, more. Hey, I have to congratulate you. Yes, sir. Hey, believe it or not, everybody, Helena is a grandma. She's oh, my grandma. God. That's definitely. <laughs> I I'm having trouble wrapping my arm, hand, head around that, by the way. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, now tell I'm, us about it. So Ray, um, Buck's daughter, Rachel, who you um, all got to know for a little bit, she did our health and fitness segment for quite a while, Rachel Pallison. She had she and her husband, Tom, had a baby last Friday. Sophia, Sophia Pellison. Oh my gosh, she's so cute. Um, so how am I a grandma? Well, I'm, I, to me, I'm fairly young, I think. But um, my husband, Buck, is, he's about nine years older than me. And he had his two girls when he was pretty young, like 23, I think. So he's pretty young for a grandfather. And then, of course, I'm nine years his junior. So, um, that's sort of the age game that we're playing, but we don't even care. I don't even, you can call me a grandma. You can call me anything. This little baby is so freaking baby is cute. Really cute. A little round face. I can't stand it. She came out looking really good <laughs> and she's going to be a horse baby. We're like, we're all li lining up ponies for her already. <laughs> she is really cute. And congratulations to Rachel. Uh, that, that is exciting. And that's why Rachel stopped doing the segment as she was pregnant and about to have a baby. <laughs> so. Yes. Yes, which is and well, and then she started. Um, um, her sister, who she works for, Nora Harris Equestrian, is now the coach of the Roger Williams University Equestrian team. So the two of them had teamed up. They were coach and assistant coach, and the training program at that barn just absolutely took off. So between being pregnant and now taking on this university equestrian team, uh, Rachel's life just really started to zoom away, and it's all great. Like it's just. It's so perfect. Well, congratulations. That's really exciting for everybody. Thank you. We're happy for them. And that buck is probably over the moon. Oh, gosh. Oh, God. And he loves girls. You know, he had two girls. He's got me. He's got Grace. Say, there's he a just, lot of girls in this. <laughs> he loves girls. He was like, I'm glad it's a girl. I wouldn't know what to do with a boy. You know, like <laughs> I've had nothing but girls to deal with. So this is, you know, and right in his wheelhouse. Who had a daughter. I mean, it is. It's just, and Grace must love the baby. I can see Grace, Grace being really good with kids, actually is the nuttiest one of us all. She is <laughs> so happy to be an aunt. You know, she's just, she is all about this little baby. And, and you know, what's funny is when I had grace, so grace is going to be 14 next week. When I had grace, you, you don't, you don't get the chance to appreciate the cuteness and the sweetness of a baby because you're so worried about keeping it alive. Right. <laughs> You not dropping know. it it's on its head <laughs> yes yes i'm like oh my god it, was that a sneeze was that hiccuping is 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 that like is that okay is she allowed to hiccup you know or, or should i put her to sleep now should i hold her what do i do oh my god you know and i used to joke that i won't be able to rest until my child's old enough to dial 911 and save herself <laughs> you know um so this grandparent thing is interesting because you you get to enjoy a newborn as a newborn, but without the pressure of being so worried about it. That's the mom and dad's job. So you really get to experience just the good part. I and, get it now. Yeah. And then you don't have to change all the, every diaper either. So there's that. Uh, That's, yeah. you know what? A diaper changing didn't bother me. It was the four hour stretches up in the middle of the yeah. night. That was tough. Yeah. With no sleep. Yep. 
Yeah. Well, you get to have all the fun now, Grandma. You get to babysit <laughs> occasionally and then give them back. I want to totally change the tone around the word grandma. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know I why. I got to come up with something. You should have seen Jennifer's eyes faces when you sent the picture over and then we figured out that you were a grandma. It was like, she's a grandma? I know. Because we always think of you as 30. You know, that's because <laughs> don't you think of people pretty much as the age when you first met them? Yes, this is true. You know, I, we met you, you were in your 30s. So we think of you as in your 30s. You, for some I was reason, in my early 30s. I yeah, just you were had grace. You're right. I just yeah. had grace. Remember, I was she was coming to the barn with That's me right. in my little baby Bjorn That's carrier. Right. That's right. So you had just had your baby, and that's the age you think of people is the age what you meet when you meet them, which is really weird, but it's true. Well, it's funny. I was thinking about it the other day. I'm like, how old do you feel? Like, like, let's just take this age thing out of the equation. How old would you think that you are? Sixteen. And I, I no, I thought you know what, twenty eight. Is like is what I feel. I feel twenty eight. I think I think I think actually women probably feel a little older than men who are permanently stuck at sixteen. <laughs> so that's my. That's I will. My. <laughs> I will not argue with men being stuck at sixteen. I will not argue. Well, let's get on with the show. Let's talk about you know. Let's talk about horse lovers for a minute because uh, they. I was over there today on their website. If you haven't gone yet, you just have to do it. Take a minute and head over to Horse Lovers. They have an exclusive sale right now. And I don't know how... These sales don't last long, so you have to go check every day. But today's was on Mountain Horse. And they have 40 different Mountain Horse products. Remember last week we talked about Mountain Horse boots? Yep. Uh, They have 40 different Mountain Horse products here at 50% off. So when I was on there today, they have field boots at $149. They have down coats at $174, down from $350. They have all kinds of jackets. They have all kinds of uh, boots on sale at half price. Uh, A lot of different jackets. They have, I was checking out too. I had to go to page two to find this because there's so many uh, different products here. They had their gloves marked down from $26 to $10. So, oh, I gotta get me some gloves. I know they have all this different stuff marked down, but that's just one of the many things that they have on sale. That's on the deal of the day right now is the fifty percent off, and that'll go away. But don't worry about it because there'll be a new de- deal tomorrow. So that's why you have to go to horselovers.com all the time. I was also they also have something called a flash sale. Uh, which is kind of like a sale of the day kind of thing. And they had the Ariat Insulated Pro Grip Leather Gloves, which which a lot of people swear by, marked yep. down from $50 to 34 They had the Ariat Zip Paddock Boots, the, the Monaco's, Mark, and those are $280 zips marked down to 194 So you always have to keep an eye on horselovers.com for the sales. If you're looking for a product that isn't on sale, you're going to find that they have some of the best prices out there today. Plus, they have the largest selection of horse products on the internet. So you're bound to find what you're looking for. English, Western, bottled goods, whatever it is, head over to horselovers.com. Well, uh, coming up next, we have Nick Snappy of the Make It Snappy Show. Cue the music. It's time for our productivity tip of the month with Nick Snap, host of the Make It Snappy Productivity Show. 
And now for one of my favorite segments of the Stable Scoop Radio Show, we're going to welcome Nick Snap of the Make It Snappy Show. He's joining us again to talk to us about productivity. And the tip this month is about habits versus goals. Welcome back, Nick. Thanks. It's great to be here as always. You make me feel special when you say stuff like that, Helena. You are special. I love your tips. <laughs> I use a lot of them every day. I can't say successfully, but <laughs> I do try to use them. Awesome. Tell us. Tell us about our tip today. What's going on? Sure. Well, you know, goals are fun. Everyone sets them. It's a new year being 2017 and it's fun to set goals, it's fun to talk about goals, you know, resolutions, all that kind of stuff. And there's just like a million different sites out there that are trying to capitalize on this whole phenomenon. Right. But I would think, and I think, and I, I I've actually tested this theory that habits are much more productive to set habits versus goals because goals are focused on the outcome and outcomes are outside of your control. But instead, I'd encourage everyone listening to think about what habits can you institute that would ultimately affect the goal that you want to cover and focus on that. Because I got to stop you right there. I got to stop you right there. I could not love you more right now. (laughs) I couldn't just tell your wife, I don't mean anything by it, but I really... This light bulbs are going off over my head. This is probably the the best advice I've had since Jennifer told me to never go out hunting without my fly whisk (laughs) because a goal is a one-time thing. You're right. It's, it's finite. It comes, it goes, you achieve it. You're like, great. What incentive do you have to, to stay at that level of performance? But a habit, I mean, it's a goal in itself is creating this new habit, but even just the visual, the idea of it's it's almost like planning a new road for yourself. You're you're building a new road. But it's Something harder to make a habit than it is to set a goal. Glenn, oh, shut so up. Harder. It's true, you know, <laughs> right? Am I right? It is. It's so much harder. Well, the trick is to start small. I mean, we talked about starting small before in the past, but the thing that people get tripped up on if you want to start focusing on habits is you got to do it one at a time. You know, as tempting as it might be to try to fix everything in your life at once, do one thing at a time. And I'm not saying like, don't try to implement new and healthy things in your life, but really the focus should be around, okay, let me just commit to this one thing because here, here's the, here's the hard facts. You know, we talk about 21 days to create a habit. Like that's the buzz thing out there. Everybody talks about oh, just three weeks and you got the habit locked in. That's bull, right? Habits can take up to two or studies have showed up to 254 days. Wow. I mean, the average and just the average you know standard deviation is all a yeah. factor as well but the average is 66 and now that's that's a number that's starting to get more recognition but habits are tough so the the smaller you can start the easier you can create momentum then the better so and it's not uh you know we're an impatient group I, oh yeah I, you know so 66 days it seems like eternity now glenn right. Glenn, you yes. set some goals for yourself or habits, or I call them aims, you know, little things. It's it's little things. So I like that, Nick, that you say it's, you know, a habit can be one thing, start small. Glenn, what kind of habits do you, would you say that you've developed or you created for yourself in the last year? Oh, and that's directly thanks to Nick is my inbox. I, okay. I, I now yes. am in the habit of keeping it cleaned out. So was it difficult, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Are you really? Kidding? I was the one right. that had 5,000, 6,000 in my inbox. So, yeah, for me, it was exceptionally hard. 
I really huh. had to concentrate on making the habit happen every day. The other thing I have a habit of not doing is writing things down a to-do list. I, yeah. I was always able to keep it in my mind, but now that I'm getting older and the whole Lyme disease thing, I'm not able to keep it in my mind anymore. So Got writing it. down the to-do list and having kind of a roadmap written down was something I never had to do. That I have to hmm. do now. So th- oh, you just kept it all in memory. I had I could because I had a really really wow. really good memory, but awesome. Lyme disease kind of wiped it out, and I wasn't able to do. I'm not able to do that anymore. So those two things, as a result of you, I was able to make sure I did last year, and now have become habits. So I love that. And I don't set goals anymore. By the way, people are shocked by that. I I you know I kind of loosely have ideas in my mind of where I want to go with certain things, but sure. what I try and do is just what I finally got one right first time he's come on, Helena. Um, what I try and do is create the processes to achieve what I kind of have in my mind, really to achieve the goal. I just oh wow don't write them down as much as I used to because. I, I hated being disappointed when I didn't hit them. So for me, it was better to just kind of loosely have them and then just uh, just try and implement procedures and things, which I got from Helena, by the way. Um, really? Helena is the queen of procedures. Wow. You're um, speaking my language now, Helena. <laughs> I did is, not know this. Helena is the queen of procedures and, and nitpicky crap. Um, <laughs> so. Fine. I'll own that. You can, you know. It's true. I'll own it. So the I think inner that, workings of the HRN. And I'm not just saying this to butter you up, but I think that because of our chats here in the last year and, and Helena harassing me and my wife harassing me, I've been better at things uh, and, and actually created better habits. But it is so hard. Said the guy who bo- bit his fingernails for 50 years and then stopped one day. <laughs> so, wow. Uh, That's incredible. Well, I have a habit this, this year as well. You know, I, my weekly reviews, I talk about the weekly reviews a lot, but I noticed I was really, really starting to slack off and be, it was becoming onerous. So my habit this year is to be very, very consistent and make those weekly reviews count. You know, what, what did I learned this week, what went well, what didn't go well, and, and going through and processing all my stuff as well. So uh, I'm not perfect. Can I put on my shrink hat? Did the weekly reviews, do you slack off on the weekly reviews when you know the review's not going to be as great as it should be? Oh, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think you really did. You really did. Well, <laughs> Some that's sort right. of inertia that's just there. human nature, right? I mean, sure. yeah. yeah. And we don't want to look at that when it's a bad week. We all do a review when it's a good week. <laughs> but, but right. When, You're right. <laughs> uh, I'm leveling who wants it up. to look though. at ourselves when we're sucking. I mean, well, here's the thing. I'm, <laughs> I'm leveling it up and this is accountability. So I'm all about accountability. And for me, I'm making it public. My weekly reviews are going to be public. That's how I'm leveling it up. So if anybody starts following me, then I'm putting all my dirty laundry out there. We're going to see what's going on. It's going to be interesting. Awesome. Good. I'll be awesome. sure to check it out and bust your chops. All right, Nick. Yeah, please. He will, Nick. I'm open to that kind of stuff. Yes. You wonder why we Love fight it. all the time. He gets you when no one's looking. He's dirty like that. Nick, where can people find your show? They can go to makeitsnappyshow.com. Makeitsnappyshow.com is where you can find Nick. Please check it out. It's a good show, and it will help you be more productive in your life. I am evidence of that. <laughs> That's absolutely correct. And if you want live interaction, join the Facebook group. Look for Productive on Purpose. That's my Facebook group, or you could text Accountable to 44222. We need a text thingy. We've never had that, Alina. That's super geeky, yeah, awesome texting. Awesome. I'll write a procedure <laughs> book, an SOP for that. Yeah, you do I that. Can't wait you to can it. check them too. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Nick. <laughs> Thank you. 
The Horse Radio Network is excited to announce a new partnership with the Fairfield Inn North by Marriott in Lexington, Kentucky for Road to the Horse and Rolex. The Fairfield Inn North is right off Newtown Pike and Route 64 near the Cracker Barrel and only 10 minutes from the horse park the back way, you know, the low traffic way. The Fairfield Inn in North has spacious rooms that are being completely renovated now and will be ready in time for Road to the Horse. Plus, the Fairfield Inn North offers complimentary breakfast, a free Wi-Fi throughout the hotel, a huge free parking lot, a business center, indoor swimming pool and jacuzzi, outdoor patio with grill, a laundry facility, and much more. The Cracker Barrel is located right next door, and there are four other dining options available for breakfast, lunch, and dinner right around the corner. Just for listeners of Horse Radio Network, we have negotiated some great rates for you for Road to the Horse and Rolex. For Road to the Horse, we have the rate down from $160 to $120. If you're going to Rolex, we have the rate down to $199 from $260. There's a very limited number of rooms available at these rates, so call in your reservations as soon as possible. Search for Fairfield in North in Lexington, Kentucky. It's the one on Hackney Place. You must call in your reservation and ask for the Road to the Horse or the Rolex Early Bird Special. So that's the Road to the Horse or Rolex Early Bird Special. Search for Fairfield in North by Marriott. Well, our next guest, I'm very excited to have him here. We're going to talk about a number of things, and and we found him actually thanks to a New York Times article, which is something we don't say very often in the horse world. But that's how that's how we found Hal Walter. He does a couple of neat things. One is he burrow races. Yep, we're going to learn a little bit more about that. But he also has a son who has autism, and how burrows and donkeys and mules can help in the world of autism and also just help people in general. We talk a lot about therapeutic riding here on the on the show. We. You know, we've had a lot of PATH certified instructors on. So we, we know how horses and animals can help people in all different ways. So we're going to find out more about this today as we have Hal on here. Hey, Hal. Hey, thanks for having me on your show. You're from uh, Colorado, right? live in Westcliff, Colorado, which is about 70 miles southwest of Colorado Springs and uh, about 50 miles Due west of Pueblo, Colorado, up in the mountains there, the uh, we the wet mountains. And Westcliff is a spit of a place. Um, we, <laughs> we when we went on vacation last year, we were in Westcliff. And a matter of fact, really? my wife with one of one of our listeners took my wife trail riding in the in the Rockies, and we they left out of Westcliff to head up there. So wow, so I, we'll we'll probably be talking about some of those places where she rode uh, last. Last summer. Well, it, it was a blast. We loved Colorado. Matter of fact, we're talking about going back again this year. You do something that came up on our morning show, and it was so funny to hear about it. We had a guy on who's done it, and I don't remember his name. I'm going to have to look that up. But now one of our listeners is going to go down and do it. It's called burrow racing. It's kind of a, a Rocky Mountain sport, a Colorado thing. Tell us what burrow racing is. Um, yes, I believe you had Brad Juan on, on our show. Yes. And, and out here in Colorado, we have a we have a series of races. The sport actually uh, was born in 1949, and we've since then had a series of races here in Colorado that are pretty, you know, anywhere from medium distance to very long distance, ultra marathon distance over rugged terrain and, and at high altitude. Uh, for instance, our world championship 
Packboro race is about 29 miles. It starts at 10,000 feet altitude, and it goes up to the top of a 13,000-foot mountain pass called Mosquito Pass. Turns around up there and back to town. It's it's you know roughly 14 and a half miles each way, and uh, you may not ride the burrow during the race, and so essentially you are running and power hiking the upper stretches of that of that course. And during that time, you'll encounter icy stream crossings. Uh, you're going through tundra fields where there's no trail, but you sink in the mud when you step on the grass. No, oh, uh, there's also a scramble up a rock slide up there that that you do just before you reach the top of the pass. Tell for people who don't know what a burrow is or don't know what the distinction is that makes a burrow a burrow, explain that to us. Well, you know, a burrow is an equine just like a a horse or a, a zebra and actually burrow is just Spanish for donkey. So we're Thanks. talking about donkeys here. Okay. Or burrows. <laughs> I, I I tend to go back and forth uh with both terms as I speak. Um, sometimes using donkey and sometimes using burrow. They're uh, so darn cute. You know, I'm looking at the pictures from some of these races online and they're, you just kind of know, you know, when you see their expressions and you think this is a racing burrow and they're essentially like a marathon buddy, you know, like. Right. And and so many people don't realize that, that there's such a variety in sizes with, with our, our burrows, um, anything ranging from the miniatures which we now are seeing more and more of in the races, to uh, pretty big mammoth donkeys that are, that are you know, as big or bigger than most horses. And, um, and then everything in between, the standards, and then there's, uh, my preference is the large standard uh, donkey. I like those. They're, they're the ones that are about 48 inches, you know, what's that, 12 hands to, to 14 hands right. in height. I, I, I find them to be more comfortable to run with and more easy for me to find a stride in unison with when they're hmm. about that size. I'm about 5'11". And, do, you, uh, do you have so your own? Do you have your own donkeys? I have three here um, right now. Two of them are mine, and one of them is a friend of mine that I'm working with and probably will race this summer. And he's a wild, he's a wild uh, uh, gelding burrow, uh, BLM burrow. Awesome. What is the training process for, for this entail? I mean, you know, we're used to a completely different kind of process. Well, Where do you start? Because you, you know, we've had a lot of uh, Amish people moving into our community lately and I see them with their carts. And I think the difference in between what I'm doing and what they're doing is that I'm using one rein and I'm driving the donkey, <laughs> and, um, and there's no... Because um, the donkey has to be in front of you, right, Hal? I, I, they'll go faster when you're driving them. Okay. Okay. Every time. Now, and, and, and a lot of donkeys do not lead very well, and there's a lot of theories about this, one of them being that, that um, unlike horses who, when they're foals, follow their mothers around, often jennies will bump their foal around with the nose. And so they're they're easier to get driving than they are. Oh, now, and we'll get into this when we start talking about other topics later on in the show. But they're all different. I've I've seen horses that um, are difficult to leave. And by the way, I I manage a small horse ranch here, um, just nearby, and I have for twelve years. So I'm also 
pretty experienced with horses. But um, I found horses that <laughs> pull back and don't lead just as bad as some of the some of the donkeys do. And I found some donkeys that'll lead more willing than some horses. And and they're all individuals, and they all have different um, different ways of operating, actually. But I, on the whole, I have found that to to get a donkey running, you're best off driving them from the hip. So think about if you were working a horse in a round pin, only you're the world is your round pen. You're out in the open. I know what that's like. I have a big field where I get to work my horse. <laughs> so what I get a lot of exercise. And, that's a cardio workout. Well, and that's what I'm going going through with um, with this wild donkey. He was actually started um, in a round pen, and sometimes you can teach you can teach something what they can do by showing them what they can't do. And so now when he's in the, out in the open and there's no corral there, he's ready to just bolt sideways off a road or through the countryside or, or whatever. That'd be my luck. I'd be in the first mile of the race. My donkey yeah. would bolt. I'd lose him. He'd be off back to the house, and I'd be <laughs> done. Mm-hmm. That'd be it. And, right. Well, and that's what I'm actually going through training this donkey out in the open. I'll, I'll have um, really good success with him as long as there's a fence line along the road. And he's always looking for the blank spot in the fence. And then as soon as he sees that, he'll pull off um, to the offside. And if I'm not quick enough to catch him before he does that, he's got a pretty short neck. And um, he can just pretty much yank me out of my shoes <laughs> when he wants to go. <laughs> so now, uh, you know, this is such a neat sport. It really is. And, it, you know, is it harder? Because now two of you have to be really in shape because you're doing the running along with the donkey. So is there more training for the person or the donkey? Well, first of all, let's start, let's start in comparing it to something most people can, can relate to, which is a marathon. And actually, there's no comparison <laughs> to running a marathon and running a pack barrel race just because of the terrain and the altitude. So you've got something there. So when you go into one of these things, you, you want to be pretty fit yourself, and you want your animal to be pretty fit. Now, how much training does it take for a burrow to get in shape as opposed to a human to get in shape? I don't know the answer to that, and I've been at this for 37 years. I think, once again, there there's some individuality that comes into play there. And, well, I know uh, in my case, it would take more to get me in shape than my my burrow. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> I know that. Right. Well, and you got to figure, you know, if a burrow like mine are out here on a pasture right now, it's, you know, it's not a, it's a, you know, winter pasture. It's dried up, but they're moving around a lot. They're on their feet a lot. They're always walking. And, and uh, one thing, I, I recently got one of these Fitbit devices, and I was astounded how much uh, walking around I do, non-running, non-workout-related walking that I do. Just, you know, everything from doing my chores outside and over at the ranch to actually even cooking and cleaning up in the kitchen. I'm getting in a lot of steps every day um, that, that aren't workout-related. So I, I imagine that that burrows out on a pasture are doing the same thing. They're moving around, they're walking around, and all that counts. Now, oh, especially I, burrows. I, do they do they eat differently, or do they graze differently than horses? Do you notice that they're a little hardier? They do. Um, there's the the old um, the old saying that mules and donkeys can't stand prosperity, and uh, they are notorious easy keepers. They they really do not do well on 
on a lot of rich feed. Um, they can, in my experience, and some some donkey owners will will not like me like hearing me say this, but in my experience, they can handle some of the the hotter horse feeds, smaller mounts, and actually need that if they're working hard. But for general idle keeping of a donkey, on the whole, um, coarse hay, you know, grass hay that's that's real coarse is probably what's best for them. They're desert animals. Horses are plains animals. Donkeys evolved walking around the desert and chewing on sparse grass and shrubs, mostly. Well, now, Hal, I want to get into a little bit about your son. Your son's name is Harrison, right? Yes. 12 years old. Or, He's 12 uh, years old now. And he has autism. And um, so on the autism spectrum, I know they have different levels of autism. Uh, where, 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 how would you describe it so those of us that aren't experts in autism would understand? I'm really glad you asked that right away because we tend to think of the autism spectrum as linear. There's, you know, not very autistic on the left side and moderately autistic in the middle and farther right, they're severely autistic. And I don't like to look at it that way because I think that all people and just like all horses and donkeys, and this goes back to that discussion we just had about some, some horses and donkeys lead better and some drive better, and some are better at crossing water than others. And, and you know this from, from your experience with horses. They have different traits that they are better at. And it's the same thing with auti- autistic people. And I like to look at the spectrum. They call it the autism spectrum, rather than as a linear approach to being a circular approach. And from the center of the circle, <clears throat> there are points out, out on the edge of the circle where there are things like language and motor skills, perception, executive function, and including in executive function, a lot of autistic kids have impulse control issues, and that's governed by the executive function in the brain, and sensory issues, and as well um, out there, social skills and filters. You know, most of us don't, you know, we'll see somebody who uh, in a grocery store has, for instance, this has happened to me actually, lost a leg, and they're on a crutch. And most of us don't walk up to that person and ask them what happened to their leg. But my son's done that, and that's a social skill thing that he lacks. And there, there is a... Have you... I don't want to let that go for a second. Have you been been surprised by the answers? Has there been... Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really renewed my faith in humanity. Some of the answers that that we've gotten um, when he's done things like, and that's just one example. I mean, it happens a lot. Um, you know, things that that you really need to lose your sense of embarrassment and humility <laughs> because uh, it will it will happen if you if you're going to be brave enough to take your autistic child out in public on a regular basis, stuff like that's going to happen. Um, and, and people are really, they seem to get it. They seem to understand. And uh, they actually, you know, speak to them very plainly and clearly and tell them, in, in this example, the, the woman had lost her leg due to cancer. And she just told him that. And, he was, and you know, they, they, they meaning our, the world at large, society, will 
label children with autism or with a without these social skills as def as a deficit. Yeah, and disabled. you know, and I really think that it's probably the other way around. We've been well, so when you think about an example like that. Yeah. Um, it is. However, um, uh, on the flip side of that, I have been called to the school several times here, um, and, and the, the school is really understanding, and they've, they've done such a fine job of, of um, organizing his education in a way that, that he can handle it, and, and in a lot of cases be in mainstream classrooms with the rest of the kids. But I've been called there for, for him striking out of teacher's. So there's another social skill that is absolutely unacceptable right. that, you know, that we, we battle with. Right, right. And then, so you're, you're constantly walking that line, and that line is constantly changing. Yes. Yeah. So how, do, how does your son feel about your animals? Well, it's funny. When, when, um, when I first realized I was going to become a father, and it was late in life, I was 44, and I looked at myself, and, and I think a lot of a lot of um, expecting fathers would do this, and, and or even young, you know, fathers when their children are still very young. And this is before you know I knew my son had autism or would have autism. And I looked at myself, and I said, well, "What am I gonna What am I gonna share with with my son? You know, what what am I gonna What do I have to offer?" And for 30-something years, I'd been pack burrow racing, and it had been a big part of my life. And along with that, also running. And along with that, a whole slew of other outdoor activities from fly fishing. I started fly fishing when I was seven years old and, and actually was making my own flies. It's a family joke uh, with my own hair <laughs> and aluminum foil when I was about eight. And... Um, but I've been fly fishing, you know, for, for, you know, since I was seven or eight years old and, and camping and, and, um, later in life took up, uh, cross country skiing and, and mountain biking. And so I had all of these things to share, but the, the, the burrow aspect was, was one of the bigger ones because here I live out in the, in the mountains in a very rural setting. And, um, we keep animals here. We keep the burrows here. And at the time Harrison was born, I believe I had four burrows, one horse, and a mule here. So we had, you know, a fair number of animals and uh, two dogs. And I think at that time we had one cat. So he arrived here to a place where there was a lot of animal activity going on. And one of the first things I wanted to try to, to share with him was the interaction with the burrows. And, you know, from about a year on, we started to suspect that something was different about him. And uh, my wife, Mary, is a nurse, and she started looking into different issues he was having. And, and, and one of the things that I, that I actually like to see on the outside of that autism, circular autism spectrum is sensory. And he clearly had sensory integration issues going on very, very early. I mean, he would touch the ground or touch grass and you would think he had been shocked, you know, like he had touched an electric fence, just, you know, touching gravel or touching grass. Yeah. And, uh, and so she started to look into, you know, maybe he had sense, sense, what they call sensory integration disorder. 
And this led to, well, he's kind of late in in these developmental areas. And, and as time went by, he became later in these developmental areas. And and uh, there was a day I picked him up from the daycare, and suddenly it was just so stark and right there in front of me how different he was from the other kids. But early on, I, I started, you know, introducing him to the animals, taking him out to see them. Uh, at that time, we also at the ranch had cattle. I remember feeding cattle with him in a backpack, and, uh, you know, he was always around animals, and I, and I, as soon as he could really even set sit up, we were setting him on the saddle for a very, you know, for a few seconds, and then take him back out of the saddle, and then, you know, gradually longer and, and longer until he was, he was in there for, for a minute, and uh, when he was three years old, he actually started riding the donkeys. And uh, we would be very careful. We'd take him out, and I would have a very, you know, short um, handle on the lead, and Mary would walk alongside of him, you know, ready to grab him if anything happened and get him get him off the animal. Yeah. And later that summer, um, when he was three years old, he went on his first overnight burrow pack trip in the Sangre de Cristos, where... Glenn, I believe your wife probably rode her horse when she was here, rode mm-hmm. a horse when she was here. And we went over Music Pass at 11,300 feet, down into the other side, into the Sand Creek Basin. And uh, he rode a burrow we had at that time by the name of Spike, and he rode a lot of that. Um, he rode in a backpack a lot of that. We alternated back and forth between um, letting him ride and letting him ride in the backpack and, and clearly picking the safer spots where where he could ride, but I don't think many kids have probably gone on that um, wild of a backcountry excursion at, at the age of three. And since then, he's, well, he's ridden into quite a few of the high lakes over here in the Sangre de Cristo range. Uh, most of our lakes, high lakes up there are around 11,000 feet, and usually it's about a four to five mile uh, track or ride in there and um you know sometimes he'll hike and ride some of it and sometimes he doesn't want to ride and sometimes he will ride the whole way up and the whole way back down it's just depending on what his mood um is there was there was a time a couple of years ago where there was a teacher planning day during the middle of the week and it was in the fall and i thought we've got one more chance to get up to one of these lakes and fish and and it had snowed like, I don't know, a week before this. And all the snow had melted except in the timber and and in some places up very high. And we got up there, and there was some stuff I didn't want him to ride. <laughs> we, <clears throat> excuse me, we had some real problems with um, him not wanting to dismount that burrow. He wanted to ride all that stuff up there. Well, now, before we run out of time, and we only have a few minutes left, how do the burrows treat, do they, well, not how, do they treat him differently than they do you? Do they understand? Oh, I do believe so, and the best, it's the best ones, and once again, they're all individuals, but right. the best ones um, really seem to understand that they have precious cargo on their back, and that he is firing from a different realm than most people. They seem to they seem to know that. 
and uh, one of my fondest memories of, of all this riding and stuff over in the mountains was we were up at, uh, I believe it was Horn Lake, and uh, hiking back out of there in the afternoon, and we were hit by a really fast-moving thunderstorm. So we're hiking down this trail that's now in some places mud and running water and and there's lightning popping around and hail and rain and um and this burrow red boat that that I had him riding just took such good care such amazing care of him um during this trek out. I am I can sit here and listen to you tell story after story after story. Uh what just in wrapping this up, what would you say how would you say that your son's life has changed. What's what do you think is the most different for him since? I think what them from most other kids. I mean, well, no, I, think I mean, what, no, from from. Uh, I mean, obviously, he started his relationship with your animals early at three years old. So, knowing what you know about uh, kids on the spectrum in general and your son's particular challenges, how do you? What's changed in him? Or, or what is because of um, the, because of the uh, yeah, yeah yeah what's noticeable in him as a result of his relationship? I think he has a whole different um, vantage point on the world than than um, than most kids, and including neurotypical kids. I like to use the term neurotypical um, for kids that a lot of a lot of kids would say normal, but I like to use the word neurotypical. Neurotypical, like no, that makes sense. Word. Yeah, I like that I like word. To use the word neurodiverse for kids with autism and other. Um, processing issues like he has. But I, I think that being outdoors and taking some time away from the media and the um, devices that we, that we are all, you know, all hooked into these days is just a really good thing. And I think that it's helped him develop uh, perspective and motor skills. You know, just, just the fact that you know he has lagged in in um, muscle development behind what is you know other other kids normal at this point. But the the idea that he can now climb up on a you know thirteen and a half hand donkey by himself, you know, into a saddle where he couldn't before, is a big deal. Well, um, we, that he can we... ride and he's developed that balance, and, I, and he also. Um, learn to ride a bike later and that's a you know a whole nother subject but i wonder how much of the balancing on the burrows helped him with the balance i'm sure a lot riding a bike. <laughs> i'm sure a lot yeah you know and and could it's ironic that couldn't we say that all kids should ha- get outside more and have and would benefit from the same thing that he's benefited from I think Absolutely. We could probably now, that's say my that. point: is that <laughs> nature, nature, defi- nature deficiency syndrome (NDS), nature deficiency syndrome. I like is, that. Is epidemic <laughs> is epidemic in this country, and and uh, and I, I said this in the the New York Times video that 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 accompanies the online story, and I'll say it again: everything's better outside. Everything goes better well, outside. If he has a tantrum, it's better outside than it is inside. I know ours are. I know Helena's tantrums are better outside, too. Absolutely. We we have run out of time. (laughs) We do have to wrap. I just wanted to clarify one thing, and we talked about this before. You do not run a program there for for people um, 
you know, you don't run a center. Uh, this was a story about Burrow Racing and, and, and your child. So I just wanted to clarify that real quick. Exactly. And, yeah. and um, I, 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 after the New York Times piece, I've been receiving a lot of um, contact, you know, emails, Facebook messages. And by the way, I invite everybody to, to, um, but you have a, a book. Request Facebook. And I have, I have two books out. Okay. Um, one is Full Tilt Boogie, and the other one is called Endurance. And, um, but, I, you know, I, I don't have any magic cure. I haven't found a magic therapy to help people with autism. If I did, I, I assume there would be a, a line of people with uh, open wallets at my gate right now, and, and I don't see anybody up there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hal, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And best thank of luck. Thank you for having me on your show. Best of luck to you and Harrison. It sounds like Harrison's uh, got the best situation he could be in. And, and I can appreciate the healing powers of Colorado now that I've been there in the Rockies. It was just really, really cool. So thanks, Hal. Well, give us a call if you're out here again. All right. We'll thanks. definitely do that. I like West right. Cliff. Hello, folks. Uncle Jimmy here, and welcome to the world of Uncle Jimmy brand products, where funny names mean serious products. Featuring Uncle Jimmy Squeezy Buns, the squeezably soft hand treat that your horse will love, the award-winning Uncle Jimmy's Hangin' Balls, Uncle Jimmy's Sugar-Free Ball, the incredible Licky Thing, also in Sugar-Free, the amazing Uncle Jimmy's Pecker Wrecker, and the Big Licky. The infamous Uncle Jimmy Hangin' Ball was first designed by me for my own horses to help reduce the bad habits which come from stall boredom. It now can be found around the world. This nutritious flavored filled boredom buster will help keep your horses occupied and happy around the clock. Properly hung, it will last for weeks, provided you don't let your horse pin it, and Uncle Jimmy knows who you are. The ball comes in four flavors. Apple, carrot, peppermint, molasses, and now sugar-free. Once again, welcome to the world of Uncle Jimmy's brand products, where funny names mean serious products, and satisfaction is 100% guaranteed. Well, now it's time for our Tack and Habits segment, and we have Claire Kirsch returning to do another product review. She's one of our terrific auditors, and she is going to be reviewing for us the Foxfire Hair Polish, which I've never heard of. But before we do that, Claire, you guys just came down to visit us. Her lovely husband surprised her with a trip over the holidays to visit Jennifer and I. Now, we thought she was going to be immensely disappointed that that's all it was, but apparently she enjoyed it. So thanks for, thanks for joining us over the holidays, Claire. Oh, thank you guys for being such terrific hosts and hostesses. We had a, a great time. It was, um, it was too short, though. It was though. really incredible. I'm sorry? It was too short. You only got to spend yes. like a day here. Uh, but uh, I know. <laughs> but we got to go driving. We I called up Gloria Austin and said, hey, look, we got these special people coming in, and I don't think they've ever ridden in a carriage. So we went down to Grand Oaks, and you got to do a, a carriage ride with a pair of her Spanish horses. Did you enjoy that? Did, did Alex enjoy that? Oh, we, we both enjoyed it. That was absolutely incredible. That was quite quite an experience. I don't, I don't know what could match that. 
<laughs> well, and that place is beautiful. Grand Oaks is just beautiful. It's uh, it's a neat place. It is. It was it was gorgeous. Well, now the most important part though is you got to meet Scooter. I did. He's so darn cute. <laughs> now you know why we rave about Scooter because he's so darn cute. That's right. Yes, I can tell. <laughs> and and you got to meet. Oh, and the other one too, Nigel. You got to meet that one too. Oh, he. He's a he's a special boy too. <laughs> he's a special boy sometimes, that's for sure. <laughs> well, let's well thank you so much and thanks to Alex for setting that up. It was a lot of fun and I'm glad you I'm glad you had a good time and it wasn't a great big disappointment. So, I'm, I'm really glad about that. <laughs> um all right, let's review this product. We got a Firefox hair polish. So, so I, this is apparently out of Germany. I don't know anything about this company. I am guessing it's made in Germany. Um, I was trying to read the label, and some of it's in German. So it is. Um, <laughs> I had not heard of it either, but it uh, it works very well. I was I was pretty impressed. My horses they stay outside ninety percent of the time, and I I love that it it claims to repel dirt and dust, and it really does. I can spray it on them, and then when they come in after you know being outside for two days and not being groomed. Um, the dirt comes off really easily, um, and it helps cut down. I've noticed on static, so both my horses have thick winter coats, and uh, they can get really staticky if it hasn't rained in a while, and then the dirt kind of just sticks. This stuff really cuts down on that, and if they are a little staticky, I can spray some on, and the dust just comes right off. And it leaves a beautiful shine that's not as slippery as some other products which is a, a benefit. <laughs> yeah, some of them are pretty slick. You're right. Uh, <clears throat> now, do you use this on the mane and tail too, on, or whole body or what? I've used it on the mane, the tail, their their body. Um, it works well. It, it does detangle, and it kind of tames their, their crazy manes. My Morgan has a really thick mane that tends to just poof everywhere, and I can spray this on and brush it, and it keeps it softer and looking a little bit nicer than, than poof. <laughs> <laughs> so you've used other polishes. How would you compare it to them? I would say um, it exceeds many of the other uh, polishes okay. that I've used. Um, the bottle has lasted a lot longer. I find that I use less product for the same results. Oh, that's interesting. Um, it is a little more expensive than some of the others I've seen too. So Yes, yeah. it, it is. But I think the fact that it lasts longer probably kind of offsets that okay um as far as mane and tail detangler uh it didn't perform as well as like a product specifically for detangling the mane and tail but it did it definitely did help and um you know i've used other body sprays that claim to to help detangle and it worked at least as well as those so all right. It's um, made by Pharmaca, and you can find it. Just go to horselovers.com, search for Foxfire, F-O-X-F-I-R-E, and you'll find all the different uh, sizes, and they have refills and that kind of the sprayer bottles and different things. So you can check out all the options at horselovers.com. It's the Foxfire Hair Polish with Sprayers. Thank you so much, Claire. Thank you, and, and thank you, Horse Lovers, for giving me a chance to try this product. Well, what's going on up there with the show that you do, that Newport show? Lots of exciting things. We're getting ready for the Newport Winter Festival, which is on deck for next month. That's a week-long celebration down indoors? at the harbor front. Yeah, um, it's, some of it's in and some of it's out. So there'll be some ice sculptures and there's a skating rink there. And then there's a lot of parties, music, 
uh, things for the kids. So that's coming up next month. And then <laughs> Buck and I are going to the huge Newport Wedding Magazine Expo. You said that, that you were going to see the brides. Well, bride don't forget, Buck was in catering for many years, so he did a lot of weddings. And, oh, and he's, he's had probably, this bill. killing him, isn't it? <laughs> of brides. No, this is totally different. They're, you know, We don't have to deal with, really, the brides. Our job is to, well, we're going to be recording shows from the event. And uh, all the different wedding vendors are going to be talking yeah. with us and the florists and the chefs and the caterers and all that. So oh, it'll be a lot of fun, actually. You, know what you need to do ask every one of the people you talk to at the end. What was their biggest nightmare? Put them all together into one show. I love it. That's <laughs> a great question. I got to write this down right now. <laughs> I gotta write this down. That'll what was be your, your most popular nightmare? show yet? A special episode of the Wedding Nightmares. Oh, that's great! Uh, I actually like that, Helena. Dude, we should hire you, you know, as a creative a, consultant. This is a good idea for somebody with a podcast. There's <laughs> a this there's a new show that just came out, and it's your it's called something like your worst interview, and they interview podcasters about what their worst interview was and why. Uh, and that's all the show is, 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 is talk to podcasters about their worst interviews. And we've had some classics over the years, but, wow. um, think about it. If they, you just talk to wedding planners and caterers and things about their worst disaster or their worst nightmare, that could be a great show. Actually, <laughs> I think, well, we're just, we'll stick to the wedding thing. That's right. plenty. We but don't want to horrify too many people. For you. My idea yeah. of the day, I'm done now. Thank you. We're going to use it. <laughs> and of course, I'll squeeze horses in there somewhere. I don't know how, but I will. Well, there has to be a horse wedding planner somewhere in there. You would think yeah. they have horses or a carriage or something. Oh, there'll be a carriage <laughs> company, I bet. There is a carriage company in Bristol, Rhode Island. Yeah. Yep. They offer some carriage rides, which is nice. It's a nice, it's not New York City. Uh, this is a laid back environment for carriage horses. But I mean, there probably are some that'll be at the wedding thing that offer to brides. Uh, probably. Yeah. So probably. Of course, I'll go around and in. I'll be inspecting their feet. I'll be like, who's your farrier? Yeah. And, <laughs> and can you take us for a ride just to test it out? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be kind of fun. That's a good idea. I'll tell Buck to do it. He can put on his cute face. He now gets I want to come. Jeez. <laughs> Talk me right into it. ThatNewportShow.com is where you can find Helena and Buck's uh, masterpiece over there. And they got plenty of past episodes. And if you if you like New England, then that's the show for you. And if you have a soft spot like Jennifer and I do for Newport, it'll just remind you of when you aren't there and uh, how much fun it would be to be there. Because they do do so many cool things in Newport. We're, actually, we've had quite a bit of crossover from um, Sable Scoop fans to that Newport show. And we've had a few fans who've actually come to visit Newport. Although I didn't get to see them in person, but yeah. Um, well, that's uh, yeah. Yes, I've had some notes and people who are going to be in the area, what what should they visit? Where should they go? Look at it's you, really Newport cool. Tourist Bureau South. Dude, I West. love this place. <laughs> I absolutely love this place. I don't even mind the snow. Oh, it's pretty so. in Newport in the winter, I bet. With the houses and everything. It's probably pretty there. It's it's gorgeous. Yeah. Very cool. Well, that's it for today. Thank you, everybody. A couple of notes, uh, programming notes. One is the WEG show will start this week. So the New World Equestrian Games radio show with Samantha and I will start this week. We'll tell you more about that when we get the first one under wraps. 
Uh, second thing is the podcast has begun. That if you're into hunters and jumpers at all, or the world of jumping, then the podcast is what you want to listen to. It's put out by the Plaid Horse Magazine, and that has started. It's official. It is on the Horse Radio Network website, and it is just approved in iTunes. So you'll be able to find it in iTunes in the next couple of days. Just search for the Plaidcast, and also it'll be on our app within the next couple of weeks. So a lot of cool things coming next month. We have a racing show done by the premier blog and website in the racing world. The Pollock Report is doing a show on our network, which we were thrilled by. So if you're into racing, they'll be doing a show twice a month uh, about racing and a lot about what happens to the horses after and some neat stories following the horses after retirement, what they ended up doing. So they're doing all kinds of cool stuff with that, too. So that's what's happening. Jennifer figured it out. We have 60 episodes coming out this month on the horse radio network 60 so it's a lot i I, i'm stunned (laughs) she counted it she was stunned too (laughs) i because it takes an act of congress for me to get one episode out a week and and it's four a month and you're doing 60 yeah so no more whining helena (laughs) no i will not whine ever again i promise Kudos to you guys, my favorite podcasting couple, my second favorite podcasting couple. (laughs) (laughs) Also wanted to mention real quick, and then we'll let you go, that uh, the listeners are invited. If you're going to be in Florida on February the 24th or in the Florida area on February 24th near Orlando, you're invited to come to the uh, red carpet premiere of the movie The Messengers, which is a podcasting documentary. And it's premiering that night in at a fancy hotel in Orlando. And Chris said that I can invite our listeners. So wow. we, we would love for you to come and join us. I know that uh, I know that Danny Penna over there at at Gamer Tag Radio said he has about fifty people coming. So well, he's 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 pretty popular. Yeah, he is, but his mother's even flying down from New York City to go, and it's a red carpet. We'll all be dressed up, but we would love to have, if you're in the area, some of our fans to join us. So if you want to, just drop me a note at Glenn at HorseRadioNetwork.com, and I will get you all the details. So be uh, all the hosts are invited to come. Some of the hosts are coming. I know the ones that are in Florida will be here for sure. Uh, Reese is coming. Wendy's coming over. Reese is in Wellington right now. So. So if you're in the area, please do stop by and join us for the premiere. Apparently, we're in the movie pretty good because I keep getting requests for pictures and different things that are edited. Wow. So that should be a lot of fun. I heard a rumor that they were starting the movie with us because they filmed us making coffee about 10 different times. And I think the theory was they were going to start the film with the coffee being made. Horses in the morning. Yes. And kind of thing. they actually filmed with a drone, me driving in and out of the driveway about six times. And I said, you know, I don't drive to work. And they said, yeah, but this will make it better for the movie. So, <laughs> so true. <laughs> hey, it's all about the entertainment. <laughs> so I don't know. We might be the lead to the movie. We'll find out. And it will be available on the web after. And I'll, I'll certainly share that with everybody and anybody that we I know. can't wait to see it. I know, it's going to be so much fun. Danny Penna is going to be in it. And all of our friends, you know, the Helena's Nice friends in podcast casting will probably see show up in there too uh that's it helena i'm done talking well at least there will be more next week until then happy scooping (laughs) 